ball, high one, almost McDonald. Big Maxi sticks it through. Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for D's fans, by D's fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the rollercoaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. My name is Tim, joined with Simo here as always, and thank you so much for joining. Simo, how you going, mate? Always good, my friend. It's a uh, bit of bit of average weather outside, but um, you know we're sitting on the end of another awesome win, and it, uh, you know, the the start of us beating six. Teams inside the top eight at the moment is uh, sitting nice and firm at the moment. It's uh, it's certainly a pretty amazing feeling. I think we finished up by talking to Fitzy last week, and I think you know he was he was asking us about where we were sitting about our chances for the flag or not, and I think I sort of mentioned that this Friday just gone against Brisbane would be a really good measuring stick about where we're at and. Whilst it was a game of two halves, I think to sort of show the fight that we did in that second half and put away another contender really convincingly, and again, probably should have won by more, has been a bit of a common theme this week. Uh, yeah, you just can't help but be excited. I just, <laughs> as I said last week, I just wish it was later in the season. I wish it was around 20. I just wish we were rolling into uh, rolling into September using this form because there is still 10 rounds to go, and, and even though we've got a bye, but... We've we've done a hell of a lot of hard work, and I know those boys won't be uh, won't be looking to uh, yeah to do anything less than that. Well, Tim, before we get things started, I think we've got some pretty awesome news. We do, we do. We are very proud to to announce that we have our very first sponsor on board for the podcast in a fantastic brewery that's just down the road from us in Hop Hen Brewing, which yeah they've jumped on board, going to support us. A, a yeah amazing little brewery down in Lilydale. There, it's somewhere where you and me frequent quite often there as well too. But yeah, really grateful to have their support on board. They've got a fantastic range of craft beers there. I'm, I'm currently tucking into a three C IPA, which is. Definitely one of my favourites, one of my go-tos when I head down there. Uh, what about you, mate? What's your what's your go-to beer from there? Well, I actually tried this one last year at my staff function, and um, that one was the Mango Tango Sour Beer, and that is absolutely unreal. Especially if you are a if you are a sour beer liker, definitely the one to go. Some awesome flavours in there, and you'll really enjoy that one, nice and cold. So make sure you all get down to Hop in Brewing down in Lourdes, or you can certainly find all their beers in all good bottle shops and Dan Murphy's as well too. Yeah, fantastic range and it's a great reason, especially at the moment in what's a pretty shitty time for local businesses. Make sure you get down and support, uh, yeah, a fantastic little local business and yeah, get yourself a couple of treats to watch the G's obliterate the piles on Monday afternoon. So very excited to announce that and really pleased that we'll be able to endorse such a great uh, business as well too. So thanks to all the crew down there. Well, moving on to the game. It was, yeah, as we said, a tale of two halves there and Brisbane looked looked the goods that first half. They really kind of made us look, I think, pretty timid around the ball. We looked a little bit scared and a bit hesitant at times and we weren't able to get any sort of ball movement really flowing uh, at all and they made us, I think, buckle under pressure a little bit and we just made them look super clean. Like their forwards just were able to hold on to everything and they were just beating us around the contest both in the air and at ground level. Hundred percent. I think the biggest thing, like it's been a you know a constant theme across the year, tail two halves. You think you know, D's with slow starts, but then 
Also to think it was a yardage game too. Like once we had our defensive structures set up in place and gave that forward pressure, we were able to um, to lock the ball inside our 50. And you show, you saw that with um, the stats of inside 50. I know we'll get absolutely pants in the first half to then lead on to, to actually winning the count by the end of the game. So I think, as you said, Taylor two halves, but a really another promising sign about coaching you know, the coaches making situational changes at halftime. And I think you were mentioned, we were just chatting before about, you know, we were losing again the center clearances in the first half. But I think being able to see Luke Jackson spend a bit more time in the middle there sort of allowed our the center bounce to be a little bit more unpredictable. And I think teams have sort of gotten pretty pretty good at reading Max's hits, as good as Ruckman he is. Uh, we do know that center clearances has been an issue this year. So it was great to see some subtle shifts there. And you talked about the defensive structure just kind of firming up as well too. And we saw a big second half from some of our leaders, but I'm sure we're going to talk on that uh, a little bit later on in the episode. But at the end of the day, come away from, well, it wasn't quite, well, it was away from our home in that sense. And of course, everyone sort of, the fixtures are a little bit up in the air at the moment, given the lockdown that Melbourne is in currently, but you know, I'm sure sure Brisbane weren't really playing too much out of their comfort zone. They certainly looked like they were easily getting around the ground in that first half. But nevertheless, again, D's respond and come away with a really strong win. And I think putting a stamp on that I don't know, you say the premiership's ours to lose at the moment? Well, yes, it is. I mean, we're going to be able to carry the form through. But the really good thing, um, Clary touched on a couple of weeks ago after I lost the Crows, is we hate to lose. And keeping that mantra together for the year like, will hold us in good stead. And obviously, keeping it week by week um, can, only, can only help us grow, to be honest. So with that, we uh, may as well move on to our first segment in chatting about all the things that we love during the game in credit to the boys. All of us to step up and really lead from the front and I thought we did that all day so we want to play our way just go after the all right well there was so much to love in that second half especially uh we talked about our slow start but the way that we were able to get ourselves into the game you know that second half and really kind of put our put our stamp on the result was incredible and i think that all started in the third quarter with our with our four line starting to fire a little bit more you know it was looking a little bit non-existent and and we couldn't really get any sort of clean ball movement and find our forwards in that first half but you look at tom mcdonald and uh cozy pickett in that third quarter just the way that they broke the game open and whilst we were ineffective at times uh you know t-max second half he ended up having nine disposals in that second half but he that included nine score involvements and three go- goals as well too and then you're also looking at cozy i mean he also had just the nine possessions for the game but he kicked three goals three i mean it was outstanding i think t-mac had two goals in a couple of minutes very early on into that third quarter and just looking the way that we were pressuring the ball and we i think at half time so correct that we had one tackle inside 50 i think uh I think yeah it wasn't many Definitely many. So, and we only had the 18 inside 50s, you know, in total for the team. So we weren't really giving our forwards a chance to to have a crack at the ball. But I think, yeah, we were able to win some contests and T-Mac just had a huge second half. I think it was so impressive uh, the way that he went about it. And he had, a, I think, one of the most outstanding things as well too. Not so much him getting on the end of a goal, but I think we talk about Petrarca's goal in that third quarter there that from the pocket where he ran onto it and, and bent back. You see the shepherd and the bump that T-Mac put on 
the Lions defender to allow track to get away. Just those little things like that as well too, I thought it was really outstanding. And and Cozzy, again, you know, not didn't have a lot of the ball, but we all know how his impact doesn't necessarily have to be measured by the amount of possessions he gets. And, yeah, to finish up with three goals, three, and I think he had about 20-odd pressure acts as well too. Uh, yeah, you know, especially for him to sort of stand up and perform in the Sir Douglas Nicholas round, uh, you know, unfortunately it wasn't in the territory, but yeah, it would have been super special for him as well too. And tell you a little bit, tidbit, how funny was it? Did you hear his post-game interview about watching serial highlights before the game? Yeah, <laughs> how good's that to get himself pumped up? Oh, I love it, unreal. Love it. So Sir Rioli reincarnated, man. Yeah, so so channeling that. So no, forward line was was awesome in that second half, and yeah, really should have blasted him away. Yeah, 100%. I think, well, you know, I've touched on it already, but yeah, second half dominance. Like, I mean, you think, where do we where do we get that from? And you think it, it starts right in the guts. I mean, we'll get an absolutely pants in the first half. Um, you know, a clearance, four to 10 out of the guts, um, clearances around the ground. We just couldn't get our hands on it. And I think Brisbane were playing that really scrappy brand where they were just hacking it hacking it forward out of the midfield. So, like, to be honest, like, they were just, yeah, like, they were just tougher in the first half. But then look what happens when we got our hands on it. You look, you start seeing Clary, you start seeing track, you start seeing Gorney get some better use with his hitouts, like, and even Harmsy, I reckon Harmsy was awesome. Um, get, getting those first touches on the ball to get it surging our way, like, it, it, pays, it pays dividends. I mean, you could see it with, what was it, 10 goals to three in the second half, um, or nine goals to three in the second half. So, yeah, getting that dominance out of the guts really set up and helped our basically helped our defenders. I mean, you look, if we don't win the footy out of the middle, it's always going to put pressure on our defenders. So um yeah, getting that ascendancy um at in in the game is crucial. Um and you could see it in the third and fourth quarter and we yeah, held them at bay pretty well. We certainly did. And I think you just look at a couple of stats from the second half. We outscored the Lions by 42 points in the second half. And on turnovers, or from intercepts, sorry, we scored five goals, six, 36 points to zero goals, one uh, from intercepts. And then we also won the contested possessions by 16, the clearances by 10, and the inside 50s by 17. So you think about that. We had 70 more inside 50s in the second half. We had 18 inside 50s in total for the first half entirely. Uh, So it's just, as you said, shows that dominance. And yeah, we were really able to break the ball open, break the game open with our ball use. And we just sort of see, as soon as we move the ball quickly and play to our strengths, and I'm not saying that we weren't trying to do that in the first half. I think Brisbane just brought the heat. You saw how physical they were in the first game. I mean, they. I think the first thing they did in the first five minutes was target Max and it caused that bit of niggle. Fritch ends up getting a free kick at the top of the goal square. Like, they obviously tried to be physical with us and, you know, try and get under our skin a little bit. But it was really, uh, really impressive to see that they didn't let it uh, bug them at all. And, yeah, we were able to sort of ride that momentum, reset it at the half, and, yeah, blast away and to a really convincing victory. 100%. 100%. I think one thing I really want to touch on too, it's a, it's a little small thing, but Maxi Gorn, the Rover, you see that in the first quarter? That was unreal. That was absolutely unreal. I'm like, that is that is real crafty stuff. And I'll tell you what, if Maxi Gorn can go down that and do, go down there and do that once or twice a game, we'll be licking our lips. We talked about being predictable. It's, yeah, just something else that he's just been adding to his game. And maybe he's been watching Luke Jackson do it a little bit, <laughs> especially around the stoppages as well too because, yeah, there's a couple of times where he tapped it to himself. And speaking of Max Corn, his snap in the first quarter, mate, that goal on the left in the pocket, 
unreal. I don't know how many times he could do that again if, if he tried. But far out, it was good to see him get up and about and his smile just kind of said it all, didn't it? Oh, I definitely did. Well, usually he'd hit the belly of the ball and kick a strap in the air. So I was actually really, really glad to see the balls got down there enough. Um, well, I think another really good talking point as well, which I, I really loved. And I got I actually got out of my chair, surprisingly enough, on Friday night. Um, but T-Mac standing tall against Zorko when, when he was getting stuck into him with a few bumper bars and Zorko cracked the shits. Um, seeing him just give him a little elbow and the chops and then T-Mac's like, what are you doing, mate? And then just drops him. The fact that Zorko got a week for that is an absolute pisser and he ended up on the ground in second best. That was unreal. Yeah, I think... Look, I think he said he was maybe provoked a little bit. I don't know if he's going to appeal it or not, but uh, it's good of T-Mac to kind of pull him up as well too. I mean, you know, good sportsmanship in that sense and just kind of shows the character and, and the way he goes about his footy as well too. Like, let him know about it, helped him up and, and got on with the game, which is great to see. All right, Simo, well, we've covered the things that we did like. Pretty I'm pretty pissed, I'm to pretty pretty pissed off still. Didn't um, like in next segment. It's pretty pissed enough. off. That's very unlike the way we've been playing and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, that's not, that's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. Alright, so we already, we already know, Simo, that the first half wasn't wasn't flash, but there was something else that stood out in the second half that we kind of, kind of touched on earlier before, and that's our set shot kicking. I mean, we sort of talked about how, you know, we've had chances this year to really blow teams away, and unfortunately, that third quarter where we did really wrestle the momentum back in our direction and we just, our set shots, we ended up kicking zero goals, four from set shots in that third quarter. I mean, we had gettable shots from Cozzy, from Weed, from T-Mac, from Clary as well too. I know Clary's not a born goal kicker, but that's something that we're going to need to capitalize on when it comes to playing these quality sides week in, week out, and especially coming to September. Now, it's been something that, we've been able to do pretty well over the course of the season so far. So we're looking at it from this game's perspective, but it is something that they should hopefully look at in their match review and sort of see what they can do to try and improve that because some of those were definitely gettable. I know, so all of those were probably definitely gettable. I think Cozzy had one almost directly out in front on a slight angle. Weeds, you know, was pretty much one of his only looks at goal for the whole game. Definitely should have got that. Clarice was right from the boundary and we know that, yeah, goal kicking is not his forte from set shots anyway, but certainly something that they can improve on uh, to ensure that we're going to maximise all of our efforts getting the ball inside 50. I think the biggest thing and biggest difference between us and the other sides in the competition, especially the top sides, you know, they're, they're blowing teams away because they're actually nailing these set shots as opposed to us. So, you know, if we can start doing that, we can really put some heat on the uh opposition to really blow some sides away and hopefully that starts this week against the uh against the pies um which would be a good stepping stone because i think this year a lot of the games we've kicked a lot of behinds so um it'd be interesting to see um our kicking efficiency um in terms of goals and points i think there was a stat brought out i think we might have been in the bottom bottom 10 for effectiveness going to goals so i mean if we fix all that up then Gee, I tell you what, the scoring power is just going to get even stronger. So, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how that that all goes. Something I'm pretty pissed off about is, I suppose, you know, it's a common thread with us, and it's you know, it's our clearance, our clearance getting belted in the first halves, and most mostly out of the guts. But you know, the, the stoppage clearances aren't too bad. But yeah, out of the, out of that guts and 
putting a lot of pressure on our defenders. I mean, you saw that with the first half. Our, our defenders didn't look like themselves. They didn't look set up. And that's why, you know, your Hipwoods um, were coming out of the works. Um, even Danaher as well. Like, even players, I think Rivers was really rattled. I think he hadn't really experienced that for a long time because he, he looked like out of position a lot of the time because we're forced to defend. Um, therefore, you know, really trying to sum that up really quickly and get on top um, would be really good to, to focus on. And, you know, it is a common thread, you know, in games this year. But, you know, if you're doing it against the best sides, they're going to make you pay. And you saw that with Brisbane. That's it. Well, they took you know, a pretty considerable lead into halftime. I think some positives out of that, I think Charlie Cameron kind of, leave, you know, restricting him to the impact that he didn't have was was a positive out of that first half and really for the entire of the game, you know, aside from a late goal towards the end there where we gave up about, what, four free kicks in the last five minutes, which kind of made me shoot uh. myself a little bit. But, you know, other than that, <laughs> You're 100% there. I think they took us out of our comfort zone. They played us. They made us play one on one, and just all their forwards just looked really clean. I think you sort of talked about Hipwood and Danaher. Zach Bailey threatened to bloody tear the game apart. I mean, three goals in the first quarter was it? Or, or it was almost his four goals almost came in the first half, and he's you know an outstanding player and, and really looks somebody that's on the rise. But you know he was somebody that you might not have picked first up. You look at their forward line; it's pretty potent. Zach Bailey's probably somebody that. I know from a supporter's point of view that doesn't watch a lot of Brisbane's games, he wouldn't be the first name that comes to mind when you're thinking about, all right, who do we need to contain in the Brisbane forward line? But yeah, certainly made us work. And I think, again, credit to him. I know a <laughs> different, different segment, but the ability that to be able to go and reset. And I think Track put it pretty well that, you know, they're playing broiling footy, they weren't moving, they weren't running. And you saw that they were able to reset and go again in that second half and yeah, really kind of put their foot down, which was awesome. All right, Simo, well, it is that time that we give our Charlie Spargo Award to the most underrated performance of the round. And, yeah, certainly a few people that could have won it again on the weekend. Spargo himself, I think, played an absolute ripper of a game. But we've decided on somebody that, that came into the side and really executed in a role that probably hasn't played so much this year. It was, you know, we had the, unfortunately, the forced out in Langdon with the concussion and we didn't choose to bring somebody in like for like, like we kind of talked about on the pod last week. And they they chose to take their current medical sub in, Tom Sparrow in. And I thought he came in and played a fantastic job, got a bit of the footy, uh, did his role inside and out as well too, showed a bit of class on the outside as well too, and managed to hit the scoreboard as well, which is awesome. So, yeah, Tommy Sparrow played uh, a pretty outstanding game and, and hopefully gets a bit of uh, recognition for it. But what did you make of his game? I, I really label his last quarter as something that really stood out for me. I feel like when the game was on, because what were we up by? Was it five points at three quarter time? We were just, just, just above. So um, for him to have seven touches and a goal in the last quarter, that shows, you know, when the heat's on, he can stand up. Um, but yeah, someone that's come in and, you know, I was unsure. Like, I mean, I mean, come on for what, maybe a minute <laughs> in the when Ag Langdon went down, but. You know, we're not sure what we're going to get from Sparrow. And I feel like, well, he sort of took on Jimmy Jordan's role. And you see what Jim Jordan's done with some confidence. And I just, I hope it happens with Sparrow. Um, 
whether or not he holds his spot on the side for much longer, it's, it's, it's unfortunate for him because with some confidence, he could develop into another James Jordan. Um, but with, you know, with Viney coming back in and Langdon will put that pressure on him, which is, un, you know, unlucky for him. But for someone that can, you know, can come in and, and play a role, um, he definitely did that. So, yeah, well done to Tommy Sparrow. All right, well, we've pretty much covered the Brizzy game, uh, Simo, we're, but we're now it's time to look in your head we understand in one week at a time. how we're playing, but we also want to just take it, you know, one week at a time. And, and coaches say that a lot, and, and people, and it's just the reality. You can't look too far ahead. All right, mate, well, you're the king of opposition analysis. What have you got for us? What do we need to do against the Pies in the, the huge... Clash that and the huge occasion that is uh, the big freeze and the Queen's birthday. Unfortunately, it's not going down, you know, in the same manner as what we would love to have and with crowds and everything in Melbourne. But it's still there's a game to be played. Uh, there's a win out there for both teams. What do we need to do? All right, mate. Well, first of all, um, obviously Monday Monday afternoon three twenty. Um, got my beanie on right now to show support, but I've loved I've loved what the big freeze has brought, and I think Neil Danaher should he deserves the Australian year. I reckon what he's done is is amazing. So good on you, Neil, and hopefully we can get a win for you, my friend. Um, and I hope win in life as well, because um, you're definitely kicking goals, my friend. Um, so against the Pies, um, I think the biggest thing for me is Melbourne not performing against the lower sides. I think we can we show it against the really good sides. Let's just. It'd be nice to see us put a team to the sword. Um, but I think we're just going to be worried about the Pies because they like to really dumb down the game. Like, I don't know if you saw the game against uh, against Geelong, um, which made it pretty scrappy. And a lot of Collingwood's last six, seven weeks have been low-scoring games. Um, so, you know, trying to break that open would be really nice and trying to exploit um, some people. Like, I hate Braden Maynard, so I'd love to see someone kick a bag on him. Um, hopefully, Cozzy. Um, or even Fritch. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But... Um, yeah, so try not to body, uh, buy into their rubbish style. It'll be really, really good. And I think it'd be really nice to see a four-quarter effort right from the get-go, um, both offensively and defensively. I think defensively, we've definitely been there for four quarters. Um, but offensively, we'd be loving to see us taking the game on straight away. So, like, your Jaden Hunt's like, this is a game, you know, f- five, six years ago um, where he really broke out, and I'd love to see him do it again. Um, but, yeah, I think the biggest thing I'm worried about is our struggles against the bottom eight to ten sides, which you saw against the Crows. Yeah, certainly plenty plenty to agree with there, mate. And it's, I still will never ever forget Paul Ruse's last game and that game against Collingwood and, you know, having to win that game to make finals. And it's exactly, it kind of mirrors exactly what you're talking about. It's definitely not showing up when we need to. And I know we're over that. We've seen that this season. I know it's a new team. Uh, you know, new mentality, as Kate Roffey said, we've got to put that all behind us. That's, you know, we, we believe and yeah, they're an inferior side at the moment and we just need to make sure that we put them in their place and hopefully, you know, get that halftime, uh, sorry, that pregame, you know, wrap up from, from Neil, hopefully really fires them up and really sort of sets them out to sort of do what they need to do, get the job done. And yeah, any changes for the team, do you think, coming up? I think I reckon it'll just be the one change. I reckon Melksham goes out after a really subpar performance. What he had five disposals, I yeah. think. Um, so uh, Lang Langland comes straight back into Melksham, and then Jimmy Jordan plays a high half forward midfield role, um, rotating with Sparrow. I reckon um, going in there. So as you said, mate, for anyone else that hasn't got their big freeze beanies out there, make sure you get out there and support a good cause uh, or donate from the website. Because as you said, 
outstanding uh, human being in Neil Danaher, huge part of the Melbourne Football Club, but just a really inspiring person uh, that not only the football community, but just the whole country looks up to and all the hard work and effort that he's put in and everything he's done to defy expectations. And I know we had that chat with Fitzy last week and talking about gratitude and being grateful for everything that we've got and for, you know, making sure that we're just focused on the positive things is certainly somebody that has instilled that into his life and his message that he delivers to everyone. So yeah, let's hope that we can get out there on Monday afternoon and Put the pies to the sword because there's nothing better than wanting to see uh, Collingwood lose by a lot. So, yeah, here's hoping. Well, Simo, that pretty much does it for another week. We're going to save our Fugazi segment for our special episode that we're actually doing with the Pressure Point podcast tomorrow night. So, Please, uh, we know everyone's so vocal and very involved in all our social media posts, but we are going to make a special post for tomorrow night's episode with the boys from Pressure Point because, yeah, we're sort of covering a bit of a special topic and uh, that'll that'll be really exciting. So we're going to save that, but I think I know what all the fans want, Simo, and that's, <laughs> well, a few of them might be after a few beers after you absolutely jibbed oh. them on the Simo's multi last week, but I believe that you've you've gathered yourself, you've, you've recollected your thoughts and you've come up with another one for this week that hopefully, uh, yeah, our our loyal listeners and anyone that fancies a punt is going to have some success with. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, sorry. Um, second of all, Salo, you've cooked me again. Um, anyway, here's the thing: don't don't ever not back Bailey Fridge for most goals for the Melbourne Football Club. That is the simple. This is a simple way to go about it. Um, although, I mean, Zach Bailey could most goals anyway, so I would have thrown out the bin anyway. Um, so this week, um, D's, D's to finally roll aside by a decent amount, 25 plus, um, with Claret, Clayton Oliver, most disposals, and Bailey Fritch, most goals. So pretty simple one there. Um, jump on it, please. I, I hope to God it gets up. And yeah, if anyone put that on, oh, you'll be... They'll be lining up in spades, mate, at the uh, the MCC or, or anywhere around the ground when we are eventually allowed to return to the crowd. So, but... No, no, fantastic. I know all our listeners get around it. And for all of you that are, yeah, fancy a bit of a punt, definitely take Simo's advice. Well, don't definitely. Don't take it. Don't take my words for it, but see how we go. But then again, uh, that's it for another week, mate. Really wanted to say thank you to everyone for their amazing support and their feedback from our chat with Fitzy last week. I know. We've released part one of our chat. It was a really lengthy, <laughs> really lengthy chat, but a really, uh, you know, insightful discussion about football, about life, about a lot of things that he's had to deal with um, during his professional athlete, uh, you know, sorry, his professional experience as an AFL footballer, but also everything else that's gone on as well too. So stay tuned. Part two is coming out very soon. But we've also got a couple of other exciting things coming up as well too in terms of episodes. So tomorrow night, as we mentioned, we're doing a collaborative episode with the Pressure Point podcast. So that's with Quinn and Marcus uh, at Pressure Point with their AFL podcast, which will be really exciting. Next week, we have a huge special guest as well too. We have former Demons captain, co-captain, Jack Trengrove joining us for the show, which would be incredible. We're really looking forward to having him on and, yeah, getting to pick his brain a little bit about his time at the club 
and what he's up to now as well too. So same draft as Fitzy, which is exciting. So, but obviously completely different paths in terms of where they both ended up at towards the end of their career. So really looking forward to that chat. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google. Leave us a review on Apple Podcast uh, and keep going out with the feedback on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, and or shoot us an email at attention to detail pod at gmail.com. Thanks again to Hopin for sponsoring our podcast. Uh, welcome aboard again, and we hope that everybody can yeah get on down there or shoot an order through online because they do deliver as well too. And if you're within 10Ks, it's free delivery at the moment, so make sure you take that up on board and get yourself a nice 3C IPA or a Lulidale Lager or even a Mango Tango Sour, as Simo would uh, prefer to shout you. So <laughs> thanks to uh, Mike and Jody and the entire crew down at Hopin as well too. Uh, yeah, let's hope that we're going to be here next week with Trenners talking about a win against the Pies across 25 points. Clary's got most disposals and Fritter's kicked a bag. So, Simo, thanks for all your efforts this afternoon and uh, go Dees. Go Dees. Cheers, mate.